The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. afternoon on Positive Talk Radio. I hope everybody's well, and uh, I want you to relax and enjoy the next hour as we are going to be talking with a accomplished author and also uh, um, someone who is a shaman and has been doing that for a great deal of time. And we're going to talk about all of it, and uh, we're going to have a really good time um, uh, talking with um, Shannon Lynn Harwood. How are you, my friend? I am excellent. Thanks very much. How are you? I am awesome. By the way, if you want to uh, follow along, you can go to her website, which it's uh, what, what exactly is a website for currency? Currencythebook.com. Now that's easy to remember. Currencythebook.com. And uh, you can go there and you can find out all about the book that just came out this spring. And it's it's doing well. And it really is an interesting fiction novel of um, that it ties a bunch of stuff together. Um, it took a while to write, from what I understand. And uh, but she she's done a really good job with it, and it's it's doing well. So and and later on, you could you'll be able to go to positivetalkradio.net and find the podcast of this, and you can go to YouTube because this is live on YouTube right now, and uh, also Facebook and also Twitter. So we're on seven channels live right now. Don't be nervous. Well, that's a little difficult when you tell me we're on seven channels live. <laughs> I, I just kind of sprung it on you, didn't I? You did, but I'm I'm okay. You're getting. You know, we're gonna do. We're gonna do just fine together. Um, first of all, I want to touch bases because you've been a shaman and have studied shamanistic practices for a, a long time since you were three years old um, <laughs> when you were so it's been 30 years now um and uh you've been you've been working uh, learning with it you've got a school and you and uh, you've got a lot of stuff going with it so um what what drew you originally when you were three years old that was awfully young uh to <laughs> well sometimes it feels like that that's <laughs> And and what what, what go ahead? It, it has been a long time, and it um, really began in 1987 when I first started to study shamanism. What led you to to that? Was it because you were not not happy with uh, uh, the other things that were going on, and you were saying to yourself, "Is this all there is? There has to be more, and I want to go explore what that is." Well, no, no, nope. not, not even close. Um, we were we were very happy. We were excited. We were engaged. We were going to be married, um, but we couldn't seem to uh, agree on how it is we should get married. 
uh, it needed to be very spiritual, but not in a church. So that's, that's a little difficult to, you know, weave both together, at least in the Western world. Um, so my, my fiance at the time, my hubby now, uh, he's, he was very, um, involved in, in Southern Alberta and the rodeos. And he lived right next door to the Pecani reserve. And he knew the kids there very well. He went to school with them. They were in his grade. So, you know, after school over at their house, he got to know the spiritual elders on the reserve here in Alberta, the Southern Alberta reserve. Um, and so he mentioned to me, what do you think about a Blackfoot wedding? Well, there you have it, you know, very, very spiritual and not a church. So we approached the elders with, you know, all the protocol that was required and, um, uh, in time, they said yes. We will. We will marry you. But guess what? You have to. You have to learn shamanism, and then you have to agree to take it out into the world. What they what they termed as bridging the gap. So you know, we were very young, well, sort of young, and we said, "Sure, we could do that." But we didn't really know what that meant. And here we are, you know, thirty-five plus years later, still bridging the gap. What is a Blackfoot wedding like? It is also into simple terms because there's so many parallels and so much symbology that would take a long time to get into. But, but in essence, it is incredibly spiritual and it reflects not just marriage, but it reflects a union of balance between the masculine and the feminine. And um, yeah, there's just so many layers to it. It's hard to get into, but it it was it was life altering. You know, it's sad when we think about it because uh, now you're in Canada, right? Yeah, Alberta. You guys are a whole lot more enlightened than we are down here because <laughs> well, we I don't know. <laughs> well, we still have got this this perception that the American Indian. Um, and the American Native ways were um, less than or not not very spiritual or not 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 very grounded in anything. Um, you know, if if you look at all of our Western um, the, the movies about cowboys and Indians and all that kind of stuff, they they painted the the Native American culture as being less, and I tend to think that it was much more. Than, than a lot of people have given it credit for, and so it's 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 cool that that you're working to bridge the gap to teach people a lot more about um, Native American ways. But there's also much more to what you're learning and doing than just that as well. So that, that's I think that's great. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a rewarding journey. There's that's to say the very least. Awesome. And can we can we mention the school real quick? Oh, sure. Um, we uh, years after we well, not that many years, I suppose, within six or seven years after we started to study with the old people, which is a term of respect um, and got really into learning how it is that we were going to bridge the gap. One of the um, mechanisms that we used was we began a school of shamanism that grew very quickly. And the old people named it for us. They, well, actually, the name they gave it was Ikamapipitsi, which means to help to care, but that won't fit on a business card. So they, they helped us shorten it to Kamapi. 
And yeah, and through the years, Kamathi grew from the one stream of shamanism that we loosely term animistic and took on two more streams of shamanism as the school grew. And how many students have you had in the school? You know, I sometimes I wonder, wonder, why didn't we never really stop and keep track? But that would have been difficult because the school was more than just the classroom um, element, although that's there. We probably teach, I'm going to say, uh, six or seven classroom-type workshops in a year. Some of them are standalone workshops. Some of them are series where you start in you know, one of the directions and you go through all four directions over the course of two years. Um, some of them are just ceremony that we have. We'll pick a weekend and we'll do um, ceremony and invite the community and they bring new people. So to keep track of exactly how many people have gone through the Kamepi School of Shamanism, that would be very difficult. But I do know our list has like some are students, some are friends of students, some are just attended an event, some are just called up for a one-on-one -on -one session. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to categorize people like that. Now, in the, in the, in the land of COVID, uh, have you guys gone virtual as well? No. No? no? Okay. Well, no, we didn't. It, it would be very hard to teach journalism virtually. You need, well, at least maybe some people do, I, yeah, not to be judgmental, but we didn't feel we wanted to do that because when you're working with someone you do what's called tracking and and we all do it it's not special to shaman it's not nothing special it's just that you you track and you feel your way through where they're at where you're at where you need to fill in the gaps and and make sure they understood correctly that would be very difficult to do online it truly so, would yeah and so uh yeah for the safety of them in particular them, yeah, we just really didn't want to do that. We want to have our hands on everybody that comes through the school in one way or another. That's awesome. So if you are in Canada, and, and if you're in the United States and you've got an enhanced license so that you can go to our northern, uh, where would they, how would they um, sign up or can they go to the website? How would they, how would they get involved with what you're doing? Just go to the website, our our address is there. Our phone numbers are there. Um, we're pretty. Uh, uh -oh. Send me an email. Um, go to camp. We kind of go, we've been you know, kind of all over the place. We teach in England and in Germany and Australia and the United States and the most fun place was Hawaii. <laughs> so yeah. Ooh, all mm -hmm. yeah. But so you are actively working to bridge the gap. You're doing what you promised 30 years ago. We're doing our best. Sometimes you feel like you're really making headway and other times it's like bashing your head against a wall, but yeah. Welcome to life. Just, right. You know, exactly. But keep keep doing what you're doing, and I and I thank you for the work you're doing. And if you want to learn more about shamanism, you can go to the school, go to the website, and you can find out more about it. And and you can, uh, I, I it really is a a deep, interesting um, concept and the mysticism that's involved with it, and and just the ceremonies and all the things that that you do. It it can be very helpful to people, I think. 
Uh, yes, yes, for sure. Just even looking, you know, at our own lives, uh, I, it would be difficult to imagine what life would be like without it. So I'm, I'm very glad it's in my life. Yes. Very cool. Now you're also also an author, and you you've written two books, and the first book came easily. Uh, the second book, not so much. It was uh, the first book was it depends on who's looking. And uh, you mentioned that that came easily, but that was the first one. The second one was a major project, and that's and that's called Currency, and that just came out this spring. How long did that book take to get out there? Uh, I, I began writing it on June the 13th of 2018. And you I, remember the exact day that you started well, writing it? Wow. It was, I gave myself one year, one year to the day. And so... <laughs> And so, yeah, I remember I had a year, so I had to hurry. Um, but I did finish in 2019. And then it took a year to go through readers groups. I put it through three large, relatively large readers groups. I wanted anybody to find any holes, any problems, anything that didn't make sense and come back to me so that I could fix it up. And so that took a year-ish. And then it took another six months to go through the editor who did a really lovely job helping me take out all the superficial stuff that didn't matter anyway. And then the proofreader and then off to the publisher and they sat on it for a year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) The publisher did? They did. It was right in the middle of COVID. So yeah, it, you know, I'm trying to find sympathy for them because it was COVID. Well, you're, you're, you're a very nice person to find sympathy for somebody who sat on your the work that you took two and a half years to create, and they sat on it for a year. So, yeah, what do you do? Um, but, but it's out now, and how's it doing? You know, I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I, don't, I have no idea. They tell me that I'll get kind of a statement of what the sales look like in six months. So. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I mean, it is just out. It came out, uh, when, when did it come out this spring? Uh, March 31st. Yeah. Perfect. And the name of the book is Currency. You can go to their website, which I believe is currency.com. Is that right? Yeah. Currencythebook.com. Currencythebook.com. And I love your website. It's very pretty. And mm-hmm. it's got lots of information there about the book. You can buy the book. I, I assume you can buy the book from there. I didn't find that page. Uh, there's there's links on there that'll send you. I think they send you off to Amazon and or possibly Barnes and Noble or. But there's links there that you can go to to buy the book. Very good. So the, so what was your premise behind writing the book? What were you trying to? Because it's a it, it's a fictional novel. So it was has a hint of truth in it but you're using fiction to put it together is that is that fair the the background the energetics behind currency are yeah absolutely they're 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 shamanic principles really when you look really close at them and what i wanted to do is to take these principles that could make life so much easier for all of us and weave them into a story that would be gripping and you know full of angst and tension and interesting so that people would uncover all of these principles all by themselves without me ever having to even mention them and so yeah i it's a it's a tall order for the reader um yeah i I expect a lot of the reader they have to kind of pay attention (laughs) 
Well, that's, that's good. They are reading it after all. You'd, they, you'd think they'd want to pay attention. But it's, it's interesting because you use currency. Now, the title, it's called mm-hmm. currency. And uh, why currency for the title? The, uh, there's probably three layers of meaning to currency on the surface, on the literal level of things. It, it does address the fact that I perceive that in the world today, we have a very unhealthy relationship with this, this monetary system that we have in the world, you, you know, think? I think. And um, that unhealthy relationship that we have with money has managed to weave its way into everything in our life and make it way more challenging than it needs to be. So one of the fundamental things you'll find when you read currency is that this this proposed new social structure comes into play in the world and it removes money, power, and hierarchy. And so that on the literal, that's the reason that it was named currency is because in this new social structure, currency takes a shift. And the next layer is that it proposes to the reader that what's far more important in our lives than money is our time. And so in the book itself, money turns into time so that our currency becomes how we want to spend our time, where we want to spend our time, who we want to spend our time with, and what we want to do with our lives as we're spending our time. And then on the, I guess, the final level, the the deepest level that I'm only just going to barely touch on because it's near the end of the book, um, it, it suggests to the author, the author's job is to uncover that there's something far more fundamentally important than either money or time in the world. I, I, I love the premise. I think it's, I think it's a great book. It's, it's a, it's a great idea because, you know, ultimately, and I hate, I hate even discussing a lot of stuff because money is, they say the money, money is the root of all evil. And, and in a lot of cases that's true because everything is based upon how much money can we make out of it rather than, the health and benefit of the of humanity, and uh, that's why there are some things that we're just not doing because there's not enough money in it. Um, natural, natural healing, natural health. Um, there's not a great deal of money in that, and so therefore we want you to take this pill that we can charge you three hundred dollars for, and all that kind of good stuff. So, so I, I get it. Uh, you, the monetary system is is antiquated and it's tough and it's not fair. Do you agree with that? Oh, um, yeah, to say the very least, I, there's a lot. I feel a lot more strongly about it than the book suggests. But, yeah, just know that the author in the background is quite choked about money. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's uh, it would be nice. Well, you, and I think I mentioned this to you, and we have a little pre-production meeting, and I hope I mentioned this to you. But you know, you know who Gene Roddenberry is? Mm-hmm. and he he wrote star trek and in the 23rd century not only did they have flip phones which they used as communicators which they and and he there was a whole bunch of stuff that they were able to uh to put out there but one of the things was is that uh, money no longer existed in the 23rd century and that everybody was doing their work and following their passion and 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 living their life because they didn't have to work they could pursue their their the passion of their lives and that's what 
That's, that's what I think that we're all here to do. So I'm hopeful that by the 23rd century, we'll figure it out. But, but uh, I, I, I hope we do it much sooner than that. Me too, because I'm not going to be here in the 23rd century, sadly. At least this, at least this trip. I may be back again. Maybe. Yeah, you might be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? So, I, so where were you when the idea in, in 2018 did you did you formulate this idea for a long time and then you then you picked a date and you sat down and started writing it uh yes and no uh we were on we were on a trip from lima up to the sacred valley in peru up to cusco and there was a there was a little there was a little gal on the plane that was just up one seat and over to my right and she was a little blondie with great big blue eyes and the sweetest smile. But the thing about this little girl that kind of um, pushed the button for currency to get underway is that earlier that morning, I'd been at the airport. And we were waiting for a plane. We had time to kill. So Marvie and I took a, took a quick tour around the airport proper. And there was another little girl. And she was Peruvian. And she was barefoot and 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 not healthy and in rags but such a sweet smile and just the two little girls and that 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 polar opposite that the future was there for the little blondie on the plane and the future was very bleak for this child in lima and yet they were so much the same that they were almost the same child and you'll read about kind of how that evolves sort of in the book but that was probably the point that I said, yeah, it, it, the time is right. I need to really talk about inequality in this world and how it could be so much better. And so those those little girls became um, characters in, in, in your in your fiction. Uh, no, no. But the but the, the story kind of behind them is there gotcha. if you read between the lines. Very good. It's, it sounds like you you spent a great deal of time, effort, and and brain power putting this together. Um, it, luckily, I had my hubby, Marvy, in the background. Uh, currency would not have come to life without him, <laughs> kind of holding my hand when I got kind of uh, wanted to, you know, bounce off the walls a little bit uh, and help shepherd it along. And yeah, it, it, currency was was a uh, was part partly terrible and partly wonderful all at the same time. Can you see if somebody would like to, if somebody in our audience, the ones that are listening now or in the future are thinking to themselves, you know, I'd really like to become an author, but I have no earthly idea how to do it or where to start and what the premise should be or any of any, it really does have no idea. Do you have some advice for them? I, I guess t today, looking back at the journey, and especially the two books, because they were very, they were a very different journey, each one of them, um, I would tell them, ignore everybody else, what they have to tell you about how to do it, and sit down and just listen to your own heart and let it flow. And, and be open to it. And and just just let it flow. Now, when you say when you say let it flow, I've tried many many times to sit down and start writing, and it just doesn't seem to come across like I want it to. So, so um, I'm much more of a, of a verbal person. So I'm I'm learning how now with technology I can I can do uh, voice to text, and so mm -hmm. I can I can do that a little bit better. But 
um, for, for somebody that because there were moments in time I mean this is this is a big project that you took on but there had to have been moments when you said oh fooey the heck with it I'm I'm but the, is that where your husband came and saved the day <laughs> yeah more often than not that's true um, I think that what 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 helped me along was that initially I knew what I wanted to say and I I forced myself into not being anal about it to just get down even the basic premise of what it is I wanted to come across and just told myself, I'll go and make it pretty later. And that helped. It gave structure when there was no structure. Now, did you put together the uh, chapters first or the, and, and the, or did you write it and then uh, divide it into chapters later and, and, and that sort of thing? Well, for the most part, behind the scenes, what the author would never, or the author, what the readers would never see or understand is that there's the journey of the fool in the background. It is um, 22 archetypes along in, in the in the order of their of their numerological numerological value. Um, all 22 of them, whether you're talking about the major arcana or whether you're talking about astrology and the planets and the constellations or whether you're talking about numerology. These archetypes are identical from, from modality to modality, and they form the journey of the fool. So my outline was kind of in place for me from 0 to 22. My job then was to look at the energetics of these archetypes and say, okay, let's just pick somebody. Um, we'll pick Utu. <clears throat> um, you know, he, he's, um, he holds the value of number 11, so he was going to be chapter 11. Utu is all about he's the god uh, the Mesopotamian god of, of justice. And so he was, he's about being fair and equitable and um, making sure that you look at both sides of a situation and then be willing to do the right thing. So that chapter needed to be about in this new world, what would what would um, the structure of, of policing and military and safety and all of that look like? So chapter 11 was going to encompass that part of the story. Wow. <laughs> that's you. So that's, that's really cool. By the way, number 11, I, I see 11, 11 all the time. And sometimes <laughs> I see uh, 111 or 11, 11. And it's, it's weird because the time, um, I'm not real good at making sure that all my clocks are synced up and have are at the exact same time. And so I'll go to one room and it'll say 1111 and then and then I'll be there for a minute and then I'll go to another room and it'll say 1111 even though it's not 1111. So is that why why do I get the number 1111 a lot? <laughs> well, I would say, you know, a lot of people it, it's much like interpreting um, our perceptions or our dreams or whatever, it, they're very individualistic. So you really need to take, I think, a really deep look of what does that number suggest to you? What, what it suggests to me is, if I can, can may I share? Sure. Um, what, what it suggests to me is, that is, to me, that is a sign that my guides are giving me and the angels are giving me that they're saying, uh, we're with you. We're seeing what you're doing. We're working on, you're doing the right thing and we want, and we're here to help and we want to continue your growth and to help you um, make positive talk as, as good as it can be. And so we're there with you. And basically it's my cheering section that is making me look at the clock 
when it's 11 11 saying uh see now look see there you go that we you're doing you're doing good we keep working on it yeah what no what you just suggested is one of the shamanic principles actually is that each of us create our own reality and so by creating your own reality that is true and real for you as as true and real as could possibly get and it may or may not be true and real for another person, but that really doesn't matter because they're creating their own reality as they go along, which which is beautiful because it makes none of us ever wrong. Which is which you're right. That's really cool. But how do you consciously create your own reality? Well, you're doing it all the time with your belief systems, right? And so as you're looking, if you if you believe, for example, oh, I'm unlucky. Oh, nothing ever really exciting or lucky ever happens to me. You're creating that and the universe will go out of its way to prove you right. (laughs) (laughs) And so if I believe, hey, man, you know, I just things are going really well. I can't pop that. That's that's the reality that I'm creating for me. And therefore, the universe will prove me right. That's why I can't go to a casino. Because I, I have a convinced in my own mind that I, that I have a 50% chance of getting something right. It will be wrong. And, and the universe, it's amazing. It continually proves me right all the time. All the time. <laughs> by being wrong. Yeah, it true, it's true for each and every one of us. So what 11-11 means for you, now that's true and real. So the next time you look at the clock and it's saying that, say thank you, angels. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I do all the time. I have, it's weird. I have, it's not weird. It's, um, I assume everybody does this, but when something good happens, I often, I often will, will just say, thanks guys. And mm-hmm. something like that. And then, and that's all it, uh, that's all it takes is, you know, you, you thank, you thank the folks that are there, they're supporting you and you know that they're, there supporting you and you're not alone and, uh, you can be, you can be happy, yeah. uh, understanding that. Exactly. Attitude of gratitude. And it, it just keeps, well, you know, it becomes exponential. It does. And we get the opportunity to decide if we want to have a good life in that way, or if we want to be uh, a sad sack and, and we, we get to have the opportunity to be anything we choose. That's what the, the oh, here I go again. Um, that's what I really like about this life is in our existence here is that we really honestly have the ability to be and to do and to have anything that we choose to do, be, or have. It's, it's totally up to us. Um, and we get to have that if we want it. For sure. Unfortunately, um, because we're each creating our own reality as we go along and we are then globally, you know, together as a group we're creating the bigger reality our social structure and systems or whatever we're helping to create a reality for other people that help them to perceive that a lack and a scarcity and if we work to switch our energy into that we'll open the, the way where they feel that there's abundance too which is which is really what our mission is. I, I I really, if we could change people's perception from one of lack, scarcity, hate, division, and fear, to one of love, compassion, uh, kindness, honesty, and working together with everybody and understanding that we are all one. We come from the same place, and uh, if we if we can make that fundamental shift, it will shift everything. Don't you think? 
absolutely yes it would um and 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 what's more is because you know with that with that understanding that that change your perception change your world as we change our world then the people that are closest to us will look and say wow i guess my world shifted a little bit too so it doesn't have to be this monumental task no and it can be easy um <laughs> i'm i'm a firm believer that if we if and tell me what you think about this if we if we operate in life like we're in the flow and things are flowing easily and naturally to us uh, then you're in the flow if if everything's hard and it's ugly and it's not very good then you're not in the flow and then you need to get figure out how to get back into it so that your life can flow easily and in a positive direction is that is that too pollyanna-ish is that too simplistic well i guess you know in the background i would all i also truly believe that all of us live with a foot in both worlds. So on the one hand, while we realize that, you know, uh, if we change our perception, we'll change our world, we change our world, we'll change the world around us, and then we'll change the bigger picture of the world. That's true on the one foot. On the other foot, um, from the shamanic point of view, which I wholeheartedly agree, everything is perfect, just the way it is. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So as, as long as you're holding both of those so that you don't, you don't make something wrong or bad or evil or horrible, then, then I think we have a way better chance of accomplishing that shift in reality for everybody. I agree with that a hundred percent. That's that, that is, that is so true. And if we, well, <laughs> I was talking, I was doing a podcast yesterday and we were talking about gratitude and, and talking about, um, and she said, and she said, um, and this is just a little thing. She said, you know, I, I was looking in the mirror and she's a beautiful lady. I was looking in the mirror and I was looking at my hair and it wasn't right. And I was feeling bad about the fact that the hair wasn't right. But, but I got over that and I just was grateful that, uh, that it was okay. And I said, well, you mean you were grateful that you actually had hair because you see the, the thing is, is that for some of us, um, we are grateful to, not have any hair uh because it's for whatever reason it's 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 like you get to determine that within your own circumstances and what i was trying to say i think is within your own circumstances you get to determine the gratitude that you feel for where you are in your life at that particular moment it's and uh, that you can be thankful and have gratitude for the things that are going well in your life do you agree with that oh wholeheartedly Oh, wholeheartedly, I do. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> I wasn't wasn't sure that I was formulating that correctly, but no, I I certainly agree. I, you know, when we're having an off day, <clears throat> and and things are just not going our way, and we get a big pout on, and and you know we get crabby with the world. You know, if we just took a deep breath and said, "Okay, what's in it for me?" Crabby right now. Took close look at what you were getting out of this, then you have the opportunity to say, oh, of course, of course, here it is. I get to feed the victim, oh, poor me, self again. It can change things on a dime. <laughs> it, it really it really can. But you have to, no, strike that. If you choose to, you need to step back and analyze why you're feeling the way you're feeling and and you can make that paradigm shift pretty quickly if if you if if you realize I did, one 
One time I was driving. I was late. I hate being late. Being late is awful. I just hate it. And uh, I got stopped by every red light. Every yeah, you've ever had that happen to you? You're driving and you want to get there, and every dang red light is stopping you. And so I was getting angrier and angrier and angry at a light, an inanimate object that has no control over me. But I was getting angrier and angrier, and until I got to the next red light, and I stopped and said, you know, this is kind of a test of me of what's going on with. With, with me, and I, I need to understand that nothing's going to change by me, me being angry. It's going to be what it's going to be, and um, I need to accept that. So I re- relaxed, and I actually laughed because I thought, they're testing me. They're giving me the red light just, just to see, and um, and I actually got there on time anyway. So I, I would have wasted a whole bunch of t- uh, angry moments for absolutely no reason. I hear you. I know I've been there. I know what you're saying. <laughs> well, and, you know, I try really, I was a bus driver for 12 years. So, so I was used to the roads and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I, I learned a lot about, you know, your own behavior and, and how other people can affect you and how you can have an impact on other people as well. Right. Yes. And so, by the way, we're talking with Shannon, Shannon Lynn. I, I I love that. That's um, you know my mother-in-law's middle. No, her first name was Lynn, spelled the exact same way yours is. Oh, and, wow. yeah, Harwood, and uh, she's written the book Currency, and the book is out. It came out March thirty-first. I think you should get it. I think it's a very it's a very deep read, and it will it will it will require your attention, and uh, but I think it's well worth the effort. Um, to say it's a deep read, I wouldn't want to scare anybody off. I'm told that it's a quick read. Oh, that's okay. Quick read. Okay. It's a quick read. It's, it's only, I think it's 300 pages and, um, and it, it's, it, it flows pretty quickly. The deep part is if you really want to sit back and think about the principles behind the story, then it gets, it gets more complex, but on the surface, it's the story. It's a, a, a story about five people mainly seven altogether but two minor characters but five people mainly and how each of them deal with this structural change that comes their way uh when society takes the shift where there's no more money no more power no more hierarchy some of them love it others absolutely detest the very idea of it and they they fight against it and i'm afeard that you are correct that if if we were to make a shift like that, there's going to be people that will not go quietly into the night. They will fight tooth and nail to keep what they've got. And um, which, by the way, I really don't understand how you how you can spend a million or a billion dollars. That's a thousand million. I don't I, in a lifetime. That that I don't know. I don't know how you could. How in your good conscience that you could do that, uh, given the state of the world when we've got in, in the United States, there are 13 million children that go to bed hungry every night. Um, we've got four and a half million people in foster care. Um, now we've passed this law or that we've done this uh, retrace of, of the past. And so now that the, but we're not improving those things and there are people that have way they got way too much money for their own good 
And uh, who needs who needs a yacht that's that's, that's two football fields long um, and has a swimming pool? In it? I mean, who needs any of that stuff? I don't I don't get it. But that's just me. I I hear you. I think one of the things that surprises me the most about currency um, is when I hear from some of the readers is how they say, well, that could never happen. That could never happen. And I keep looking at it and thinking, well, I don't quite understand why not. We're not talking about, you know, a very sparse lifestyle here. We're talking about a system that would give all of us what we really need. And then if you wanted, you know, some of the goodies, the extras, in addition to the four hours that's talked about to do the your social commitment, and by social commitment, it's every one of us needs to pick one of the six main areas of our basic needs in life. Like you would have to pick whether you wanted to work in the food industry or the shelter industry, or whether you wanted to work in the clothing industry, the education industry, the healthcare industry, or finally over into the safety industries of our lives. Pick one of those Give four hours of your time and everybody's basic needs are met. After that, the other four hours, you could have the career, which gives you time. So that time would buy all the goodies in life. And now that extra money, it doesn't have to go to the government anymore for all the taxes. Now it's yours to spend your time on, on all those lovely goodies. So I'm just thinking, I don't understand why people would say that this is so hard to comprehend and that it could never happen. There, there is kind of come, there's going to come a time when everybody's going to say, well, excuse me, the masses are going to say, okay, enough is enough. Uh, We want, we want equity. We want fair. We want, we want everybody to, to have what, what, what some people would, would, you know, the, the multi-billionaires that, that, they don't need that much money, and and uh, um, well, of course, we're talking about a, a system by which, in the United States, where we pay a professional athlete a quarter of a billion dollars to pay play third base, uh, which makes absolutely no sense to me at all. So, that's lost on me as well. I I just I don't understand that. I don't understand it from the athlete's point of view, and I don't understand it from the fans' point of view whatsoever i just don't i don't get it no i don't get it that you know the actors and actresses out there the famous people are getting that much money to you know just to to perform on television for a moment and i get it a lot of them are doing some very cool charity work but really where are our values as a society when we say that this is something we would rather spend our quote quote money money on never mind our time um rather than saying you know what Look at look at what's going on with with even the homelessness in our own cities. Mm-hmm. The homelessness, the drug addiction, the we, you know we're losing in the United States. We're losing uh, for forty thousand people a year to drug addiction, uh, overdoses, and yet we don't have a comprehensive program that we've taken on to try and combat that to help these people get over their addiction so that they can leave productive lives. So they're dying. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a crime. It really is. And we have to wake up um, because if we, my opinion is tell me if, if this is a shamanic practice or not, or is in, is in shamanism. But my, my opinion is if we don't smarten up nature 
God, the universe is going to smarten us up whether we like it or not. Well, I, I would agree with, especially a few moments ago when you said that the masses will just not take it anymore. If we go back and take a look at the Russian Revolution, um, that's exactly what happened. You know, all those guns from the army couldn't stop that many hundred thousand pitchforks, right? It, right. The people were just, they were fed up. They were, they were, they were starving and, and it was so inequitable that, you know, the Tsar and the elite were the haves and they were the have nots, which we're seeing in our society, you know, exponentially grow that gap between the classes is like monumental now and it's growing every day. So yeah, I agree with you that it won't be long before people say enough and they turn on all of those people that have and they just take it by force. I, I suppose currency is my way of saying we don't have to do that. We don't have to have a of an upheaval or overthrow the government or a coup or anything of the sort. We could do it very peacefully if we just time it very smart so that we implement the changes so that people see that we could all be abundant. Exactly. And and we all, that's, that should be our natural state is that we can work together and to bring abundance to everybody in the world um, so that nobody has to go hungry and that, um, and everybody can live in peace and harmony and, and pursue uh, the, the passion that they were born to pursue. Um, I just want, want to remind everybody that there was a famous lady who said, let them eat cake. Um, Marie Antoinette and she ended up with her head in the basket. So that could happen. So, I would like to think not, but uh, you know, you never know. I would, I would like to think not too. I, I would hope that there's enough people out there who are brave enough and willing enough to embrace change that we could do it peacefully. I agree, hundred <coughs> percent. Excuse me. So we've been talking with Shannon Lynn Harwood. Shannon, if someone would like to get a hold of you, how do they do it? Uh, I think the very easiest way is to go uh, to either one of those websites we talked about, um, either kamapi.com or currencythebook.com. And there's links there. Contact us. Just go click and say hi, Shannon, and I'll say hi. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that, that would be great fun. And because you're, the first one you're going to have to spell for folks, I'm afraid. Sure. Kimapi. K-I-M-M. That's Mary Mary. A-P, like Peter. I-I dot com. Very nice. And you can also find out about uh, shamanism and the school and everything, all the work that she's doing. I applaud what you're doing. I think it's awesome. And I want to thank you for coming on the show with me today. I thank you very much for having me. It's been great. I've enjoyed every minute. So now let me do this. I want to say I'm going to step aside and I want you to, to tell our audience, the ones that are listening now and the ones that are listening, will be listening in the future, anything that you would like them to know. Oh, anything that I would like them to know. <laughs> uh, my, I guess I should have given no that. Pressure. Thought. No pressure here. Um, I guess I, I would do about what life could be like without fear and stress, because I think it's the fear and, and the stress of fear are, um, that is driving so much of the world's ills. I, it explodes in every area, every arena of our lives unnecessarily. If we could eliminate that or at least reduce it so 
substantially that each of us can enjoy our lives the way that I think it was intended to be enjoyed rather than what's going on now. I'm, I'm, I was fortunate enough to be, you know, come around in the, in the fifties. And so I did get to see very briefly a time in history where there was nowhere near this kind of stress and fear going on and, and our lifestyles were, were so much easier and, and optimistic that the world was our oyster back there in the fifties. You could do anything, be anything that there was almost no limits. I'm sure that there was still, you know, the poverty and the homelessness and the hunger. Um, and I'm sure that it was, you know, probably equally as terrible around the world. I was likely oblivious to it. But I also perceive that there was a great deal of hope and humanitarian movements that really were not with, without the cynicism that we have today. Today, you talk about, you know, some of the world's organizations. And unfortunately, you think about them thinking, yeah, well, how much are they putting in their pocket? I didn't, I don't perceive that back then. And I think we can go back to that, that attitude where we can truly help one another. If we shift away from fear and stress, and that was the goal, I think of currency. Um, yeah, I, I think that that would be it. And and just to bear in mind that we all have, you know, a, a role that we can play in this world to help one another and that not any one of us are, are above or behind or, or ahead of or beneath or below another, that we're all exactly the same. There's a, there's a poem, a little poem that I kind of like. It's, it goes that I am only one, but I am. I, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, I will do with the grace of God. That is just beautiful. Shannon Lynn Harwood has been our guest. And go to uh, currencythebook.com and find out more about the book. Buy it. And uh, I, I think that you'll. it's a great read. And it's an easy read, I found out just a few minutes ago. And so it'll be, it'll be great fun for you. Shannon, it's, a great, it's great to have you here. Well, I can, can I invite you back sometime just to talk okay. more about shamanism and, and all of that? I, I find the, the subject fascinating. Sure. I, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, for sure. I'd love to come back and chat with you again. You've made this delightful. Thanks, Kevin. Oh, awesome. That, that is just awesome. And tell, and tell Lindsay, make sure you tell Lindsay that you like the interview because uh, she, she sends me all kinds of folks. So that's good. That's great. I will indeed. Thanks once again. Okay. If you'll wait right there, I will be. I got to do this and I'll be right the big. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.